This program is in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. Don't miss the call. Join the revolution of the evolving perspective of an awakened consciousness. Are you ready? Join the community at openandclear.com. Last minute calls here. Can we hear you? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah. Beware of false prophets, 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 which come to you in sheep's clothing. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into driver's temptation. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may ye shall know them by their fruits. Entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven. Is Reverend Devon Divine a false prophet? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Sent here to Lord. lead us astray. A doubting, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. But the rich or is he a spiritual teacher who can guide us to the path of freedom? I'm Dr. Mark. Come with me and partake of his fruit of knowledge. And decide for yourself. Then when the lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow or of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we shall be. Welcome to another episode of False Prophet. This is Dr. Mark here with Reverend Devin Divine on this March 12th episode. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Oh, we, oh, we moved up into the sir approach, huh? <laughs> so, Devin. <laughs> hey, I'm not paying you. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah. asking for a raise. <laughs> I want to double the salary. All right, we can do that. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> you had a good week so far? I guess it's daylight savings there. Yeah, I, this is the first time I watched one fifty nine turn into 3 o'clock instead of 2 o'clock. Oh. That was cool. It was like a whole nice. new type of New Year's. I was like, wow. Should we, like, celebrate and kiss? But I was alone, so it didn't work very well. 
Oh, no. I was working at a job at the night of uh, Daylight Savings once, and I got paid for the hour that didn't exist. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) You got to leave and still got paid for it. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. Super cool. Every day should be that way. Yeah, we should just (laughs) cut hours. Nobody would know. Times were just change on automatics on your phone. Well, I thought if I got paid for the hour that doesn't exist, I should get paid for every hour because they really don't exist. It's all <laughs> a fabrication, the construct in our minds, anyway. Yeah, weird calculation of numbers just so we can be on the same schedule. I know. It's not even correlated to anything in the real world. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> It's like the days get shorter, so should the hours. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that would make, make things programmed funny. That would, that would get complex. <laughs> I'll be there in an hour. An hour or two, depending <laughs> what time of year it is. Yeah. Guess, uh, <laughs> around the summer solstice, an hour is probably like a half an hour or something. Can I kidding? So it all equals out in the end. <laughs> and it's strange how our perception, I mean, when we're in the fun and life and the time flies by and we passes by, you know, time seems a lot shorter because we seem to be going faster. Like time flies when you're having fun, kind of an idea. And it's really quite interesting because if we didn't have it all structured in the same fashion, you know, it wouldn't, there would be no evidence of it. And so since since the hour is technically the same clicks away, tick tocks away, that it's uh it seems evidence that it's like, wow, you know I still can't put my hand on it, I still can't prove it, but it seems like that hour was only like twenty minutes. You know. Right. There's a statement attributed to Einstein once. I don't think he really said it. But it's he says the idea of you know, when you're with someone you love and an hour seems like a minute, or if you stab your hand with something and a minute seems like an hour, that's what relativity is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense with, as far as relativity, but I don't know for sure if he actually said it or not. And, I mean, how many people have actually experienced stabbing their hand, right? Right. Yeah. I imagine it would be horrible, though. But why does it get shorter when you're enjoying it? And, you know, why does it get longer when you're not? You know, because time's supposed to be absolute. It's not supposed to change. Yeah, time. Jeez. (laughs) It's it's interesting how much of our, our world is so subjective. How much we're creating, you know? I was listening to your lectures, uh, these today what am I saying and you you were talking about the idea of your holiness we're going through the holiness your holiness manifests around the world and blesses people and does things and you said you know it might be hard for people to accept because we don't feel holy we don't feel worthy you know we think we've done something wrong well I'm not holy I'm just normal you know and I'm like trying to wrap my head around how we can be holy 
even though we subjectively don't feel holy. Yeah, yeah. Something we may never know. (laughs) (laughs) Or is that just part of the, the awakening process to accept our own holiness? Yeah, it is. Essentially, when you really grasp it, the fullness of it, then essentially what you know as your person, as a mark, isn't there anymore. So it's something, really, that Mark will never understand and know to its wholeness. Mm. And essentially the ideas of what Mark is, is full of these unholiness ideas. Right. And it's it's a construct, a, a structure, in a fashion of variations of holiness and unholiness and a lot of the holiness is really just fabrications of unholiness to make look holy. Uh, you know, like we we don't want to make these false gods out of things that don't exist. You know, idols, right? Melting down gold and stuff that essentially d- doesn't really reach the truth of what a god really is. And so it's in our minds as we're doing this, even association with time, as we've been discussing is that, you know, when you're in complete joy, uh, complete love and truth, time will, you know, seem so much faster. I mean, you can live lifetimes in what would be considered a moment. And in this life, as much as we see it and as what it's we're consisting of time, is actually a division of what we think as holy things and unholy things. So we're actually going through life only because we have ideas of unholy things or ideas of separation, ideas of grievances, ideas of resentments. That we're actually resisting things we don't want to face and confront yet and dividing it out in this long landscape that we call time with only moments of having to face them. You know, not we, we don't want to do it all at once, I mean, that would, that would be a mess. I mean, that's, that's the whole reason we're in it. That's, that's mm. why we've divided up, made it longer, made it take a while, so we could do it one by one. It's more like we're scared of the dark, and we just want to make it a little easier on us <laughs> until we recognize huh. that they're not dark, they're not upsetting, they're not problematic. There, in fact, is no real definition or truth to say evil or darkness or, or resentments and grievances and and when you are with your love as in the example of time and um, the experiencing of joy essentially you're not focused on what you don't want you're you're simply in what you do want and so the whole factor of time being shorter is just simply a manifestation of recognizing really that there is no time and that you're actually just constructing it with how much you actually accept about the universe. So you're not focused on the things you don't accept, so time is coming to a... Uh, what's what's the word? Uh, scrunched down, squished, uh, getting shorter. Um, <laughs> it's compressing. Compressing, yeah. Seemingly. Mm. So I was attempting to make the association to your question with 
with time, as we've discussed. Well, I think it's interesting you brought up being afraid of the dark and like the unknown and stuff. Because that was the other question I was going to ask. Is you know, as I've been sitting here, kind of watching my own mind tick and observing my thoughts and feelings, I realize how much of what I do is totally fear-based. And not even afraid of stuff now, but like the unknown. Like, well, if I don't go to work, you know, I'll lose my job, something bad could happen. Like, there's this constant fear of what could happen. Yeah. Even though I have no idea. I have no idea what could happen. I have no idea what tomorrow's going to hold. But I'm afraid of it, because it could be bad. Yeah, essentially that you don't know is really that you haven't decided and even though it's not the ego personality that could decide, uh, that one, even when it makes a decision about what it wants to be happening, it's it's going to have five options, you know. It's gonna, <laughs> well, I want this to happen, or this, I'm, I'm deciding, you know, and it's still not decided. <laughs> like, the actual decision, as far as recognizing the authority of the creator of this situation, already knows. So it's already a decision, and it pretty much... Uh, it's like finding that confidence to cross the road. You know, if you have doubt that you're going to be hit by a car or something, then you probably want to be dodging cars because you are likely to. Uh, but if you're, you already know, you know, that you're making it across the street, which a lot of people don't take the approach, you, you have no reason to even look at if cars are coming because you already know. But that's an awareness of, as far as compressing this essence of time to the you know, realization and recognition of what you really truly are as the creator of the experience. So if we're afraid of what could happen, is it really we're afraid of what we're making happen then? Yeah, in reality, you can't really be afraid of anything that's happening. Mm. So the fact that you're afraid is because you're you're developing ideas of something that you you really want to happen mostly to prove to the fact that the world and yourself and everything is evil or bad or something and you even go to the extent of killing yourself off to prove it and that uh, you know whatever it is that is the worst thing is you're going to fall succumb to uh, just to prove that god is evil and that you know, it's it's all your demise, and you know, we put ourselves through things like cancer and getting hit by cars for this very reason. And yet, if we actually recognized what we're doing, uh, we wouldn't be doing it anymore. But we just have this war going on between our will and God's will, simply to prove that it's possible. It's, it's pretty simply. I gotta say, simple. <laughs> It seems complex, but we just have this world of so many different variables, but essentially of the same situation, the same thing. Right. I'm looking at this chart that you had on uh, the first month Course of Miracles. I remember going over the emotion chart, uh, and there's like okay. love, joy, surprise, anger, sadness, fear. You know, and they're all branches off of inevitable death or eternal life and stuff like that. And we've talked a lot about how like emotions have two sides to them and stuff. And so, I don't know, I've just been thinking about this week, like, as I'm seeing, really, the deepest parts of me are all motivated by fear. Yeah. And, like, 
Is there a way to change that? Or should you change it? Well, it does involve a a time or a period in your life where you're confronting fears. Uh, Eventually you recognize you only have fears because you believe in death and separation and suffering and pain. And you believe in these things because you actually associate your true self with something that's going to die and that being a body. So it's inevitable death. And so even as that fear uh, essentially really doesn't doesn't exist in itself either, uh, it's simply a resistance to what you think is going to happen. And it will happen in the same way. I mean, you're, you're attempting to prove that it's possible for yourself to die by developing a world in which death is inevitable and putting yourself in it without any other choice. Um, So to actually start to come into the belief of eternal life and recognizing the true essence of yourself being eternal, then it's just a natural course in this trust and this love and and the recognition of all those emotions that derive from that and, and this essence of joy and so on that uh, it's just natural when you change your beliefs. So that's what this course is really getting at most of the time, is from one side to the other, insisting that you're a body, that you're going to die, that you're a victim of the world and everything's separate from you, to recognizing almost quite literally the opposite is true. So... In recognizing that you're not a body, you can't die, nothing can really hurt you, then these natural fears actually resolve themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a natural thing. Uh, so, <laughs> but to say natural, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, is, it is a required thing that we will all eventually come to know. It is inevitable that we will all eventually come to recognize this truth. Uh, because we all have to let go of the body, let go of the world eventually, even if it is billions of years and we just have a speck left and we finally have to give up because we can't breathe and, you know, whatever extent we want to go to, (laughs) thinking that, oh, no, there's no more world to go back to. And, yeah, in the same development, we will have ideas of some sort of insisting is happening. Yeah. And I'm just rambling now. <laughs> so facing fears isn't so much about even the thing that we're afraid of, but just like the most fundamental identity that we have of ourselves. Our ability yeah. to be hurt or something. Yeah, because if you are facing a fear, I mean, it is most likely that your mind's telling you something along the lines involving your death your loss, uh, your struggle, your screw-up, you know, all these different ideas that really have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. It's just simply a construct of, you know, a way of protecting yourself from what you believe is going to occur. That, in a way, uh, you've never experienced before. It's just the ego defending itself. Yeah, mostly its own construct and in which it's developed as far as we've developed it to be a, a type of world, to experience a type of bodies. And, you know, it has its it has its ups, you know, it has its good points. You know, you look at your children and stuff and you, you're 
your wife and all that. I mean, you can you can tell there's something good about it, but at the same time, there's all these terrible, annoying, frustrating, strugglings every single day. And essentially, it really is if we do want happiness, if we do want peace, and pretty much to be saved from all these struggles, we have to relinquish the ability to discern and to to assume that there is even struggles. And that's the knowledge of good and evil that we're surrendering. Hmm. And that's, it kind of relates to the idea of holiness too then. Because fear is things that I'm worried about could happen to me. Like the idea yeah. that I'm unholy or I'm guilty or I'm unworthy. That's the idea that I'm, I'm just as an identity, not good enough. Yeah, it definitely does. Because if you recognize your holiness, you would recognize uh, the fact that nothing has the ability to manipulate or has power over you. That you're completely independent, let's say, from what seems to be occurring. In a way, you know, just like the people behind the screens or the, the man that's doing the special effects really is not succumb to what the special effects involve. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, the designer of the computer graphics uh, knows that the, everything that's happening is absolutely fake. Right. He sees behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Trying to make it as so real as possible, can... though. Right. So once we can see kind of behind our own psychological curtains, then, then we can start to accept that we are holy. Yeah. So which lesson are you on? Which lesson is that? I don't know. There's a whole series of them in the 30s. Yeah. But you are in the second part. Yeah. I got some yeah. some charts that I am a little behind on that I still need to, to put up there. So you're missing out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey. we'll get to them. Yeah, I'm. I'm really amazed. I've never worked uh, so hard in my life, <laughs> as far as quite literally being here as a stay-at-home and raising two kids, as well as trying to do all this work. Yeah, you know, it's something that, as far as my body, I've never gone this far or done this much. And and to say in comparison, I'm sure it's not really. All that much, if I really think about it. But it sure seems like it. And I just want to put more on it. I just want to do more. I can do it. Let's do this. You still there? Did I lose you? Whoa. Call failure. Fa fail. <laughs> Call failure. Oh. Okay. Let's... Hello. Hey, you there? Yeah. Who is this? What? Yeah. Hi. I said call fail. <laughs> Disappeared on me. I don't know. We're back though. 
Yeah, we're back. We're still on. Just a moment. <laughs> okay, good. Where were we? I don't know. Um, and I was just saying, like, I'm I'm walking through the course trying to learn how to not just, like, agree with my own holiness, but to really believe it, to feel it on the inside. Instead of trying to convince myself, I actually just accept it. Yeah, it does, it does help to, you know, identify how you feel and just say it's true. Like, I'm a total uh, screw-up. <laughs> I just admit it to people, you know. There's no problem with it, because then you kind of disperses the power. You know, maybe not tell your boss how you're, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, just, you know, just recognizing that it really has no power, you know. I actually believe I, I'm a screw up, and you know I, I screw everything up. I, and that's okay, you know. And then you can finally start getting past it when you recognize that it doesn't really have the power over you. You know, the keeping it secret is the power, and trying to hide it is where you you actually begin to make it manifest. We're screwing up because we're trying not to screw up. Right. Yeah. Like I keep shoving down my feelings of unworthiness because I'm like, no, no, I have to feel worthy. These feelings don't exist. Bury them deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's true, you know, that you're worthy, then you can say and be anything you say and be because it remains mm -hmm. to be true. It seems like it doesn't. It seems like, oh, I have to hide these or oh these been forgiven I shouldn't have to deal with these anymore right essentially we, we're using it all against ourselves so when you bring that stuff to light it can let you let go of it disperse the power yeah yeah it's like embra embrace your suckiness and recognize its holiness. Hmm. So you can be holy even in your suckiness. Yeah, because the suckiness doesn't actually exist. Uh, and so to, to hide it or try and fix it or anything is just embracing that it does exist. And you have to, if it does, you have to be succumbed to it. It's true, right? But if, you know, exposing it and relinquishing it comes to the actual evidence that you are not it and it really has no power over you, then, yeah, freedom. <laughs> That's something I'm about, like, dealing with other people like myself and community and discussing things and, and this idea of confession is really what it's meant to be about, is, is finding that freedom from simple exposure and and recognition that it it's nothing someone that's really dealing with your confession in an honest way you know should act and reveal to you that it you know it's not a big deal you know you're like oh. yeah you're talking about meaningless crap anyway you want to go on with life <laughs> <laughs> that's true I'm, I'm caught in this trap of using all of these 
suckiness identifications and saying like, oh, well, I suck at this or these things are bad or I could be a better person in this area and using that as reasons why I'm not holy. Yeah, and it's it's fine if it's motivation and helpful. You know, it can, it can push you along. I and mean, it's it's like the reason you're doing this course in the first place. So, I mean, keep going. It's okay. Uh, it's It's essentially... You want to recognize that you have power and capability to do anything without those ideas. And that's what we want to discover. That we are capable of more in motivation of inspiration than we are capable of motivation of fear of loss and death. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that uh, motivating children. (laughs) You can try and motivate them by taking your love away or their toys away and making them mad and spanking or you can <laughs> you know inspire them in rewards and getting things and and so on i i do a little bit of both and i think of them kind of as the same but that's another story <laughs> i was at a i was listening to a church talk once and somebody said or maybe it was institute or something they said there's two reasons people follow god they're either afraid to go to hell and they're afraid of the punishment and so you're always kind of resentful or they love God and they want to do it because they they like God and he says the point is to get from being afraid of God to actually loving God like how <laughs> yeah. yeah oh what is that my phone just started talking let's close everything nice I guess I had something has open. A voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fearing God to loving God, it's it's you know, it's almost actually in entails where you think you're gonna go. You know, this whole resenting God and following God because you don't want to go to hell is likely to develop a hell situation for you. Opposed right. to actually even making it to a heaven. Uh, essentially you don't believe you're worthy of it. And uh, that that you deserve to go there Um, yeah this loving idea as far as loving God and coming into that truly recognition the only difference is and are those ideas of resentments and grievances and upsets and that really is the the core essence of A Course in Miracles and being able to focus on this this actual problem here and recognizing that regardless if you heal every ideas all these beliefs regardless of what you have done not condoning anything but or condemning anything either and regardless of who you are what you've done in life where you're going you're going to be going to the same inevitable truth of heaven regardless and that's a very vague definition of heaven because (laughs) <laughs> you know, we can even develop heaven into a hell type situation just because we think we're worthy of it and you know if we do get exactly what we want and we want punishment then so be it right. so think we about get it. what we want yeah yeah in a, in a way you know it has a little bit more to it because it's not just oh I want a million dollars and then if you don't have it it's obviously you don't and (laughs) so it's a little bit trickier you have to convince the core of your being that you want it you're worthy of it 
And essentially, it's just like this life. It's a manifestation of these core essence beliefs and desires that you truly honestly have um, that are deeper than the manifestation of your personality. And so, I mean, even that idea, yeah, heaven is everything you want and everything, you know, you're looking for. And it's like, oh, great, you know. So if I have ideas that I actually want pain and suffering, then heaven is pain and suffering also. And we don't like to put that into account because we think uh, on this <laughs> superficial level, we understand what we want. But if we're struggling every day, we obviously want struggle. But we got to recognize that we actually have an authority that is developing our situation. And even if it is just a distortion type perspective, I can distort the ideas of heaven to be suffering, you know, then I make it into hell. Mm. Yeah. So heaven can be hell if we make it. Yeah, it can be a planet Earth, too. Yeah. So what is the, the inner self, the inner mind, the God mind that's doing all of this? Do we actually have control to be able to, like, change our world? Well, as far as the relationship between my personality, my person self, and it is, uh, well, where am I going with that? I don't know. <laughs> Something cool. What was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is our relationship with with God, the God that controls everything? Can we actually change the world with what we think? Or do we just have to learn to agree with whatever God's thinking? Yeah, so essentially, like, this idea of prayer, uh, the whole reason it works is because it's not far off. It's not, you know, some distant cloud or planet away. And, yeah, even though say his point of perspective might be some other body at some time or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the actuality of being able to pray to something is the recognition that it's here. It is, even though that definition of here might be a little different to him than us or to it, then, but the ability to do so is only a simple step away, you know, so that prayer, it's not just a prayer, not just a, a call out, not just an asking, but the ability to see beyond the perspective of additional things happening, to see past uh, grievances and separation, and to really honestly recognize that God is as much in you as anything you think of yourself. And really, if you had no resentments or grievances or any of these ideas of separation, you would not think there is uh, a reason to pray, for an example, that uh, to pray to something that you are not would be silly and absurd. Um, so, so as far as the manifested self, say this person, and the manifester self, uh, the difference between it is is the information. That there's the projecting out of information or extending out of information and the receiving of information back. 
So it is coming into this subconscious, unconscious self, which we like to think is, you know, say science study and everything that you're actually still receiving information, but you actually start tapping into a position where, you know, you're m developing and creating all the information, which makes a connection with the things to a, such an extreme extent. So even as you are praying, uh, even as you are asking or communicating with the self, you are still an information receiver, meaning like this fourth dimension, you still are something that's manifest. So just like a painting, the, the creator of the painting is, is painting you in it praying. But who is it praying to but the creator of the painting? And so you're just another aspect of this whole painting and just like it would paint the background and say of the bed you're leaning on and the room you're in and, and the toys around and stuff like that it's all one big painting but essentially none of it is but an expression of that creator essence but by recognizing this you're also recognizing that the creator essence in its expression wants to be praying And talking to the creator yeah so as much as we're in this a uh, lot of development of a course of miracles and how it's gone down is that a lot of people understand that god doesn't know and understand your dream but they kind of pass over the whole idea that god is everything and owns everything and uh, knows all aspects of all variations and it's up for your dream uh, essentially, uh, in, to actually recognize this truth and actually experience it, you also recognize that, yes, what I thought my reality was is a type of a, a dream idea of it, but the truth of it remains to be. So, like, the truth of it is here. And that connection with the painting and the recognition of what it is but I'm also in the design. I'm part of the painting to look at it in a fashion that is separation. Like I'm the only aspect of the Godhead in which can perceive separation. Nothing else can do that. God cannot perceive that. That's what my function is. That's what my ability is. And through separation, that means millions and trillions of years of infinite uh, variations of dimensions all possible and we have to explore every little facet of them simply as our function that's what we are made to do we're gonna go in them get lost and confused find that forgiveness is our salvation and salvation is our function here and we come out of it and then go into a different one and come out of it go in a different one come <laughs> out of it just to explore all the variations and options of anything did that answer your question what was that mm. <laughs> hopefully very high level view so no other member of the godhead can perceive the separation it's just us well uh, yeah to s the godhead often refers to the holy spirit as well and really the the reality of what everything is isn't actually beings in the sense of a sentient being like ourselves as a physical body 
uh, but that's a various variation of perspective of it. So the God is an infinite internal variations of all that is, and uh, we're the perceiver of the infinite eternal of all that is, and the spiritual universe as the holy spiritual, say, entirety of all the universe is a holographic interference patterns in which it represents the perceiver sees the representation of the infinite. So it's, it's somewhat in between as in a communication device uh, showing what you've decided. So it, it, in a way, can see your ideas about yourself but because it is part of it and representing as it like other people but in, in it also knows the total essence of god so as far as is it the only one uh yeah we are the only one that can perceive it and experience it as it is all that is and think oh look at the world this is the only thing that exists <laughs> we're the only one that can think that yes <laughs> So by praying, we're trying to reconnect with these other other sides of ourselves that we don't we've chosen not to see. Yeah, it's a trippy ride because uh, <laughs> the breaking down of that wall can look as anything and somewhat of a distortion, say psychedelic experience where you're starting to perceive and see beyond interpretation meaning beyond sensory perception, which uh, then can't be described to sensory perceived beings and, and so on. So it's, it's really tricky. But that's why I am developing a course like this, uh, along with A Course in Miracles, is to recognize that even while you're trying to do the course, if you're doing it through separation and thinking God's out there somewhere, then it's not going to work. Uh, so we want to do it in an actual depth where we're going to achieve the actual experience and know for ourselves if it's possible or not well we could still try and prove that it's not going to work and never succeed in it that's that's okay too <laughs> one thing that i've always struggled with is the idea of prayer because you pray and you're hoping for some kind of answer or something and i've always either been taught or learned to associate that if you pray and you don't get an answer, it's because you're not holy. You're not worthy. I've done something. So I'm always wondering, have I done something to offend God? Is that why he's not talking to me? How come I can't get answers? Yeah. You know? Yeah, like it's a ghost that can come into your presence and leave at any time. Yeah, right. it, it does involve that idea of uh, trying to teach a child of you know, loving them, but when they do something bad, you have to retract your love, and they're not allowed to have your love or have their toys because they've been bad. And it's funny how we project that onto God and what it is, uh, when it's really just what we're trying to prove to ourselves in our own mind. We're trying to think, oh, uh, it, you know, we perceive the actual reality of what's occurring in and distort it in our minds to make it seem as if, you know, it's actually retracting its love. So we make problems to make it seem like God's against us instead of, you know, recognizing uh, we are against ourselves. We don't like what we did, so we 
you know, go into suspicion. Oh, since I didn't have this on me or did this, then I deserve this and I'm worthy of that. Mm. Trying to control ourselves, which ultimately isn't working. It's just insanity. So rather than running around trying to gain God's approval by being worthy or whatever, should we just approve of ourselves? Just realize that we are approved? That's pretty much the basis of it. And recognize that we are the one that needs to. We are responsible of our own approval and salvation. That if we don't approve of who we are and what we've done and accept it, then we are manifesting hardships and we will manifest a thing called hell or to any degree in which we think we are worthy of. Like you have those layers and degrees, you know, those paintings, I guess ancient paintings now, that uh, have these layers of hell, and, you know, these are all the people that raped, and these are all the people that murdered, and these are all the people that stole, and these are all the people that denied God, and all these different degrees of hell. And essentially, it's it's not so much based off of the action goes to this type of place. It's more of the reason you think it was acceptable or possible or plausible to even do that action is a thinking in which naturally we manifest this type of universe. And so it's a degree of heaven where you actually think you can rape. I mean, you have to be bodies and you have to you know, be separate and you have to have all these different ideas that manifests that way. I mean, to think you could kill somebody or murder somebody or be killed involves a lot of people running around anarchy, killing each other and suffering <laughs> for it. You know, it, it's it's the type of place you actually think is possible and therefore you experience it. So rather than getting approval from someone else or trying to please other people or have other people define you in a certain way, you got to start inside, not outside. Yeah, and that's what this course is, taking responsibility and finding the, re- the actual problem and the solution for the problem is actually in the same place. And to discover that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? <laughs> Can you just say, I'm worthy? <laughs> well... You can, if you actually believed it, um, is a different thing. It's uh, You have to actually believe it, which means you go through this process of undoing uh, all the ideas that contradict what you say you believe and are worthy. So this forgiveness process is being this honest, authentic self with what you think of as yourself and your problems and actually discovering and finding this experience of what it has to offer, say, that reality. Like, to actually experience it. I feel like I didn't finish my sentence, but that's okay. <laughs> There's a period. I am unworthy of my discussion. Hmm. <laughs> Banished. <laughs> And a good way to do that then is just to acknowledge how you really feel. Just to let it bubble up. Yeah, yeah. Instead of suppressing it and essentially making it more real, uh, eventually 
you won't be able to avoid it and it will explode out or bubble out or you know instead of the, just the lava coming out of the, the crust there and just mm. pouring out uh, some people like to hold it and just let it explode but eventually it's going to come out and uh, we have to come into that recognition that there is an actual occurrence there that we are hiding from mm. and we have to and when we, go in there yeah when we face that those feelings and ideas and stuff that come up how do we forgive them then and like realize that it's not true well we have to toss in the virgin princess and then it will subside hmm. oh, wait. we're not, we're not talking about volcanoes face. right no okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that facing the fear and actually confronting it, um, the willingness to face the fear, get into the situation, is the willingness to see it boiling up, and it can get pretty extreme. But you're also willing to not respond in a fashion that involves uh, the ideas of separation, and you keep instead reinforcing when you see this turmoil inside and you want it to come out, you instead keep reinforcing that you're the unity and what God is and how he's here and, and how this is perfect and you know, this is love and willingness to see that. This is something that's really helpful uh, with the community that's practicing this to be together in is the fact that we can confront this together and not just on your own uh we can share the experience as well we, we can be honest with each other saying oh I, I feel like you feel this way or you're this way or that and essentially we can point out well that means you know you're actually thinking that we're separate and i'm not in your will and so on and then we confront that together because it's actually a problem that we share so it's good to find a community that you can work with it is helpful and yeah and a dream of mine yes but uh, there are several communities out there and they kind of all have their little dogmas but it's more like what we've joined to have together communities do work best with themes am I being joined by my little buddy bud <laughs> <laughs> You want to wear the headphones? Okay. <laughs> You're so excited? Yeah, big boy? I want to see. You put them on your head, you don't eat them. Okay, now I can't hear anything. Okay, wait. Okay. <laughs> He's very driven right now. He's very, very driven. <laughs> Here, let me put them on again. See, they go on your head like this. <laughs> Say hi. Look, we're talking to everybody. Say hi. No. We still got a few minutes. How's how's your wife's pregnancy going? Good. She's uh, just starting her second trimester. Oh, so does she find out soon, or has she? Um, another to? month or so. 
Yeah, we'll find out. I'm not good at surprises. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just not good with return lines. You know, I don't want to go after return all the other. Oh, I know. Girl stuff we got. Oh, boy stuff. Right. Hey, hey. We picked out a no, girl we, name that I want a girl. We don't touch I don't want to be. Mic. Hey. Picking up all these names. <laughs> you you picked out a name? No, but it's so hard. We didn't even pick out our last our daughter's name until we were at the hospital. We were still debating. They have a list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like literally being attacked by this. <laughs> so aggressive. Kids are right. fun. <laughs> He's so excited. Okay, going back down. <laughs> I'm just talking on for a few more minutes, okay? <laughs> okay? Let's play with these lights. <laughs> we love lights. Almost made it. Almost made it the whole hour. Uh, Yeah, flashing Christmas lights, those are the best, man. Absolutely. Mesmerizing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, were we in the middle of something over there? Until I got attacked by baby. He's almost <laughs> a year, almost a year old next month. It's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Link. 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 Yeah, not Lincoln. No. No, just Link. No. Yeah. Just Link. People are like, oh <laughs> man, you make him sound dumb putting one syllable. Like, eh, we make up for it in his middle name, Alexander. Oh yeah. <laughs> Almost a year. Yeah. Wow. Time does fly. Speaking of how relative time is. Especially when you're busy day in, day out. Right. Not in the emergency room over here. That's how it is all the time. Time just flies when you're busy. You got stuff, something to do. And it takes forever yeah. when you have nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> like dead air on the radio. What's 30 seconds? It seems like three minutes. It's ours! Actually, you've given me a lot to think about today. Yeah, maybe you can sum it up for us. Oh, I just realized I've been looking for approval outside of me, or I've been looking for a God to talk to me outside of me. Worthiness comes from outside. And all these ideas that I have of not being good enough, or having fear or something, to let them come up, to address them, to look at them, and if my mind is trained from the Course, I've actually gone through and learned and accepted gradually day by day as the Course does, and I'll have the training to face them. Let it bubble up, let the lava come out, and be able to face these beliefs that I have and take their power away, and realize that I've always been worthy. There's nothing that was ever unworthy or not good enough or whatever. Yeah. It's funny, even today I was talking about a melting pot and in the same way everything that doesn't combine or fit into what you're melting together will come to the surface and then you oh, yeah. there you can just grab it out and pop it out 
Uh, it's kind of <laughs> the same thing. Is is that if you're coming into this truth, of everything will come to the surface. That doesn't seem to be defining you as pure and perfect and holy. And it would make it seem very apparent because all you see on the surface is all these things that disagree with that and that it's not true and the evidence and experience that you have to prove that you're pathetic and weak and all these things. <laughs> and they're just there to simply pop out, grab out of the reality of it and free yourself. It's, I'm, I'm grateful and very glad that it does come to the surface in such a way that, you know, then then you can actually do something about it. Right. You can address it. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, Mark, for being here. And anybody have any questions or want to get involved or check check out our course, uh, the course that Mark's doing and I'm providing, uh, you can find out more at openandclear.com. That's O-P-E-N-A-N-D-C-L-E-A-R. Dot com and there's a big button there that says Ascend This Time, A Course in Miracles Intensive, where we're taking it to a whole new level in extremity. So it's awesome, <laughs> man. Awesome. Okay, now the papers. Oh, geez. Wait. Nope, Daddy needs these papers. Oh. Okay. Alrighty, well. <laughs> I'm going to go give attention to my son here. And I'll talk <laughs> to you later. Thanks, Mark. All right, man. Have a good day. Voice from the real world, you are up. <laughs>